Hello and welcome to Second Opinion, Episode 4. The theme for this episode is A Shot in the Dark. Vaccines are the cornerstone of medical research and advancement. Vaccines are the ultimate in immunity to disease and illness and a sign of how far medicine and medical treatment has advanced. Vaccines are credited with the eradication of various diseases and are a necessity for a healthy, thriving population. However, some see vaccines as inherently unsafe with limited or no efficacy crafted recklessly by pharmaceutical companies whose bottom line is lining their pockets with health agencies in lockstep with pharmaceutical companies. Some even see vaccines as part of much bigger, more sinister agendas, including attacking health and changing the nature of the human form. Here to discuss these issues with me is Jancy Chen Lindsay, PhD. Lindsay is the Director of Toxicology and Molecular Biology for Toxicology Support Services, LLC. She holds a doctorate, PhD in Biochemistry and Molecular Biology from the University of Texas, Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences. MD Anderson Cancer Center, Houston. Dr. Lindsay has extensive experience in analyzing the molecular profile of pharmacologic responses as they pertain to the dose-response relationship. Her expertise centers on evaluating the complex dynamics of toxicity, such as toxicant pharmacology, exposure, route host metabolism, and subsequent cellular effects as they relate to the contribution of specific substances to impairment health risk or human disease. Dr. Lindsay has over 30 years of scientific experience with an emphasis on the study of inhalation toxicology involving pulmonary pathologies such as asthma, reactive airway disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asbestosis, mesothelioma and pulmonary fibrosis that may be claimed following chemical drug or particulate exposure. Dr. Lindsay also has experience in performing health risk assessments and evaluating the toxicological profile of a variety of consumer and industrial products, chemicals and pollutants. Dr. Lindsay also has experience in analysing and evaluating molecular markers of disease in the modern field of toxicogenomics, particularly with respect to benzene and asbestos. Additionally, Dr. Lindsay performs forensic toxicology investigations with respect to cases involving drugs, their effects on alcohol, cases involving issues of impairment of psychomotor functions. Dr. Lindsay recently spoke in a meeting of the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, outlining her views on the COVID-19 vaccine and its potential for impacting fertility and sterility, as well as causing blood clots and blood disorders. I will be talking with Dr. Lindsay about these issues and more. Dr. Lindsay had a short time for her speech at the ACIP, but in this interview, she has given ample time with no censorship. I look forward to clearing up some of the confusion currently circulating around the COVID vaccine. So Jancy, can you just give us a brief kind of rundown of your background and and what made you start questioning this COVID vaccine? Okay, so um, I've been a scientist for a very long time. I, I have a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Uh, I worked as a scientific technician for many years before I went back and got my PhD, so I have a lot of years at the bench. And the first laboratory that I worked in coming out of college uh, was a reproductive biology laboratory where I aided in the development of a uh, what was supposed to be a temporary contraceptive vaccine. Uh, it was called the Zona vaccine. And uh, although we had done a lot of analyses uh, to make sure that the immunogen portion that we chose would not cause any type of autoimmunity, uh, unfortunately it did. It caused ovarian destruction, complete autoimmune ovarian destruction, which of course doesn't make it a very good temporary contraception. Uh, so uh, what that taught me was a lesson about how important it is to do animal studies and to do animal studies in the correct species before you jump into uh, humans. And also it taught me that even though you may do the best in silico analyses, uh, you still cannot predict everything that will happen in the human body. And so you have to be really cautious. So uh, when they were rolling out these vaccines, 
I was very nervous that they were doing it in a rushed manner. And with a technology that had never been used before, I mean, it was just almost unheard of. Here we're going to use uh, genetic biologics in people. This has never been done before. And we're going to roll it out on a massive scale without proper prelim preliminary testing. When even for the old style vaccines, it would take, you know, 10 to 15 years of study to get these to market. And now we're trying something brand new and we're not doing any studies. I knew that the genetic uh, biologics that have been attempted in the past, it had extremely dire consequences. Um, and I just couldn't fathom that they were actually going to do this. Uh, so I started doing some research and I ran across a blog by a Dr. Bill Gallagher and I began communicating with him and asking him about his blog, which postulated that there could be uh, a chance for cross-reaction uh, using the immunogen that they used and uh, that that could lead possibly to reproductive problems or autoimmunity against proteins called syncytins. Mike Keaton and Wolfgang Awodai came out. Um, they had concerns about syncytin reproductive fertility. And yes, yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it's odd because the reaction that I got in my communications um, was rather odd when I brought up this worry um, and, and Dr. Gallagher had been in the business for a long time. He replied that, oh, they would just work it out in the next iterations. And I, I said, well, don't you worry for the people that might be subjected to this iteration that could cause this. Um, and, and it just didn't seem to be a concern. It seemed like, you know, business as usual. And that worried me even more. I think just so people have gotten, kind of got a point of reference, just kind of describe how regular vaccines are made, um, mm -hmm. how that's different. Also, how immunity works and then how that plays into what they're claiming to do with this COVID vaccine. Um, typical old school vaccines, uh, they take the bacteria or the virus and they chemically kill it or heat kill it, sterilize it so that it is no longer active and able to replicate. Um, and then they inject that, the whole molecule, and that is what's called the immunogen. Um, that was the older way of making vaccines. And then your body would mount an immune response to this and keep memory uh, cells for that particular immunogen so that if you came into contact with it again, then your body would mount an antibody response against it and quickly uh, kill it off before it did any harm. Uh, lately, they've been going to peptide-based uh, vaccines where they just take a small amount of an exterior protein that's unique to that particular virus or bacteria, and then they use that as the immunogen, which I don't personally think is as wise of an approach um, because with the whole virion or bacteria, you have it chopped up into, you know, thousands of pieces and, and your body does keep a memory for all these pieces together somehow um, in combination. And uh, just using one small piece, I think there's more uh, potential for cross reaction or autoimmune reaction. And the way that we check to see if there could be an autoimmune reaction in a linear sequence is not really the best way to check for autoimmunity because proteins don't exist in a linear fashion. They exist in a 3D conformation. And so you could have um, two amino acids, which in a linear fashion are hundreds of amino acids apart from each other. But uh, where the where the protein docks or or where the antibody docks could be, uh, they could be right next to each other. So then you would incorrectly predict autoimmunity or lack of autoimmunity. Listening who don't, you know, who are not medical, you know, or understand the science in any way, what would that kind of mean if you explained it simply? What you said then about checking for autoimmunity, what, what does that mean? Explain it. 
Oh, so when you design a vaccine, you want to make sure that whatever you use as the immunogen, which is what you're asking for the body to make its antibodies against, does not share a similar sequence, genetic sequence or amino acid sequence uh, with or protein similarity with something that's already in your body, right? Yeah, because then if, you, if, if you do that, right, yeah. then you can have an autoimmune reaction. So uh, the one of the ways that we try to predict that is by putting the linear sequences, um, either the DNA sequence or the amino acid sequence next to each other and then just comparing them linearly, which isn't the best way to necessarily do that as um, proteins are 3D in confirmation. And so that doesn't always uh Yes. work the best and there are cases of course of cross-reaction and autoimmunity with vaccines and uh, you have to be really careful and do a lot of testing and and with this particular technology it it's using a completely different type of technology um it is gene therapy to call it anything else is just silly um, right. and, and, and I mean, even the FDA documents and, and all of the company's websites call it gene therapy and then somehow it's not gene therapy now. It's just silliness. I think, um, I, I think one of the reasons they call it a vaccine is because then in people's minds they'll think, oh, that's just like the flu vaccine. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. And it's been very effective. They've been very effective with the propaganda in that matter because people really do think it's just like their everyday vaccines that they've always gotten. Yeah. And it's not, they don't realize that it's not and that it's never been used before like this, that uh, when it was used, it caused all kinds of problems, even in animal studies. Um, you know, uh, it had been used uh, in some oncology applications <coughs> where the, the person was going to die. And, uh, so of course the risk was was worth taking that risk, um, but certainly the risk for this virus, which uh, has such a low infection mortality rate, um, really a, approximate to the flu, uh, if a person is healthy, is um, not worth risking all of the things that are happening that we're seeing. Infection fatality rate for children uh, is 0 0.003, 0 0.002, wow. uh, depending on the age. So, so essentially zero. Um, there have been some recent analyses that say even for kids it's 0 0.00018. Wow. <laughs> um, what what in, in the world would make parents inject their children with an experimental drug yeah. of any kind yeah. uh, for for something with that low of a mortality rate. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, parents are being lied to. They're being duped, fear-mongered to so, get um, everybody. While, while we're on the subject of immunity, there is some uh, talk and debate about the difference between antibody immunity and T-cell or B-cell immunity. Yes. <laughs> one and all that. Can you kind of clear that up in a simple way? Okay, so uh, there's this, you know, horrible story going around that people are losing their antibodies <laughs> to the virus. Oh my gosh, you're losing your antibodies. We have to boost again because you've lost your circulating antibodies. It's the craziest thing in the world of, to an immunologist because if you think about it, Think of all the things that you've made antibodies to in your lifetime. You don't run around with active antibodies to these things in your body all the time. You don't. <laughs> Otherwise, your veins and arteries would be all clogged up. Uh, you keep a memory for how to make those things when it's appropriate for you to make them, to make the antibodies. That's your memory cells that will remember how to make these antibodies. Um, so it's, it's quite natural. And in fact, it would be completely unnatural if your antibody levels did not drop. That would be a concern. And the fact that they're using this to try to convince people that they need more vaccines is criminal, in my opinion. Uh, you also have your cytotoxic T cells, which are like the killer army frontline guys that get out there and try to do the job so they don't even have to engage your other cells. 
they really try to clean it up first in a quick way so that the body doesn't have to expend extra energy making antibodies and, and they'll try to get rid of it first. Now, they uh, have an excellent capacity to uh, kill off these uh, viruses and, and bacteria by themselves without even um, getting the other antibodies involved. So what they found is that people who had had SARS in 2003 uh, were also still immune to this SARS-CoV-2. And they found that people that had SARS-CoV-2 were also immune to, uh, largely immune to the variants. In fact, more immune than people that had had the vaccine. It looks like having the vaccine actually makes you more susceptible to the, to the variants by about a six-fold factor. Mike Eden came out earlier this year and said that the, the difference between um, the original virus and the variants is so minimal that to the immune system it would, it would make no difference in terms of... Uh, it is. It, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, the variance between SARS that, that was in 2003 and the one we have now, I, I think it was somewhere around 60%, but the variance that we have, the difference between uh, the variants and SARS-CoV-2 is uh, less than 30%. So those, obviously, if you have an immunity after having a divergence that's so large, um, you're going to also have one to one that's much less than that. So in your opinion, would that, I, I guess where you're going with this is that that immunity, that natural immunity does not necessarily justify the vaccine. Oh, it doesn't matter at all. Of First of all, and, and this is this is such an excellent uh, propaganda technique. Here we are spending all this time talking about these vaccines, whether to take the vaccine, not take the vaccine, when what we really should be talking about are all the other agents that are safe and effective uh, where we don't even need the vaccine. Um, and they've always been available. But of course, they were out of patent and very cheap, so cheap that it would cost less than a dollar to treat someone for a week with hydroxychloroquine. Now, nobody's making any money there, right? Or ivermectin. Uh, and that's what we should be treating with, period. There's no need for any of these vaccines. We have safe and effective treatments. There are many of them. Um, they were investigated after the last SARS outbreak, and there's quite an extensive uh, publication database on them. We know that these vaccines are causing thrombocytopenias, all kinds of clotting disorders. We know that they're causing cardiomyopathies, which is not a surprise. Even Ralph Barrick's lab in 1992 used rabbit coronavirus as a model system to study cardiomyopathy. And yet the CDC is saying they need more evidence and they're just not sure if the cardiomyopathy is related to uh, the vaccines. Now, that's absurd. There's a whole there are hundreds of publications on coronavirus and cardiomyopathy. Uh, if we're using spike and spike is what elicits this response by binding to ACE2 receptors, which we know and which has been known for many years, then, of course, the cardiomyopathy is from the spike protein, and it's well known. Further, they're trying to isolate this to kids only. Oh, we're just seeing this in kids. As if the heart attacks in <laughs> that yeah. we're seeing rampant are not cardiomyopathies somehow. It, yeah. They're trying to age restrict it. Oh, well, we're only seeing this in kids. It's just a bunch of BS. It's not restricted to one age. We're seeing it in all ages. You know, older people have heart attacks, their hearts aren't as strong. Younger people have cardiomyopathies that will result in heart attacks uh, at an earlier age than, than they should have them because their hearts enlarged and their muscles stressed out. Um, again, why are we giving this to children? So what is the mechanism then by which the, the mRNA COVID vaccine can cause blood clots and inflammation? So the mRNA vaccine, as well as the adenovirus vector vaccines, uh, they all uh, basically ask your body or direct your body to make the spike protein through a genetic sequence. And that spike protein is what is the dangerous pathogenic portion of 
of the virus. It's the spike protein, which is binding to ACE receptors and eliciting a, uh, a cascade, although uh, the adenovirus vectors also on their own can cause um, uh, some clotting issues as well just by themselves. Uh, so it's kind of a double whammy with them. But they are causing the thrombocytic events and they're causing all these other events as well. Uh, we know from the, the Japanese biodistribution study for Pfizer that these spike proteins are going everywhere. They are yeah, not staying at the injection site. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I have seen that mentioned. I think it was uh, Byron Bridal mentioned that recently. Um, yes, yes. It, it's been found that it can actually um, locate in other parts of the body. It's not just at the site of injection. All other parts of the bodies, preferentially yeah. to the adrenals. Um, the ovaries has one of the highest levels, as as is in the bone marrow. You know, uh, there are healthcare professionals that contact me all the time, letting me know what's going on in their patients and what they're seeing. Um, recently, there have been reports of um, not just thrombocytopenias and platelet depletion, but pancytopenia of all the cells, which indicates that there is a bone marrow uh cytotoxicity going on so, so no I, I mean these need to be stopped these must be stopped we have uh you know i spoke yesterday on on something and i said in what in what situation when you know that healthy kids 13 14 15 years old are dropping dead of heart attacks and pulmonary embolism do you still keep injecting the children while you research what could be causing them to drop dead yeah. if just you to, think to, there's uh, any oversight it's gone yeah just, just to uh, do my job as a presenter you know how how do you know that a point whether it's a child or anyone has actually had the effect because of a vaccine because you know people might say oh well it could be caused by this or that or the other how can you be certain that someone was affected by the vaccine proximity to the vaccine as well as them being healthy prior to the vaccine and having no other comorbidities not having um, any indication of uh, pathology which indicates that they should have had a heart attack and the fact that it's happening in numbers that do not align with uh, the normal rate of heart attack in children which of course is non-existent for the most part yeah. Um, unless the child has a heart defect. So. Um, and I, and know, I guess the, uh, the, the numbers of people who've had reactions as well. Um, right. The, the, compared to what you would expect to see with like. In the normal months. population. Yes. And what's really distressing, Daniel, is that uh, there's the in the VAERS system, it looks like the CDC is actively removing deaths from the system. Um, that have been reported. How, and how is, how is that? Um, how is that? And <laughs> that that is taking place if it is. So there are people that have um, in family members that have recorded the VAERS ID of their loved ones that have died from the vaccine. And they're going back in and looking in the system to see that it's been replaced by another number and another vaccine and a non-death event. So this has been widely shared. Uh, people have captured pages from before and after the same number, VAERS identification number before, and then after it's been changed to something else. So not only does VAERS only capture, you know, pr probably 1% or even less maybe of all the adverse reactions, especially because they're also being reported ostensibly in vSAFE. Um, but you're having a company actively remove deaths from the bear system uh, without any explanation or justification uh, to the families. So how in the world are we supposed to keep up with what's actually going on and what the real numbers are? They're also harassing people that try to report into bears, asking them for unreasonable information, um, contacting them five, six times, asking for more and more information when really um, the healthcare worker is, is just reporting into the system. Um, they should not be harassed and, oh, well, if you don't have the vaccination card, we're not going to record it. 
you know, this this has never happened with any other vaccine. So it's yeah. it's clear that nefarious things are going on. Talking of um, reactions from the vaccine, um, obviously, I think you kind of touched on it earlier, the uh, menstrual and the um, fertility implications of how could that be happening? And I, I, I know that I should just say, again, just because I am the presenter, it's my job to offer the other point of view. Uh, I know there was an associate professor came out recently claiming that um, this, these were the, the words that we use, multiple biological mechanisms might underlie menstrual changes and all normal immune activation responses that you would want to see with the vaccine would be present with this one. So it may be people's fears of being amplified because this vaccine is an unknown quantity, maybe, um, and the um, immune cells are working, they're creating and breaking down the lining of the uterus. Uh, and it might, you know, it kind of, they basically, the idea was that what you would expect to see is happening but maybe people because a lot more people are being vaccinated with this vaccine than normal it might make mm-hmm. people think something's happening when it's not no no i think those are all great um observations and and possibilities although i don't think that it's just something that's um a factor of uh, you know, an acute immune response to the vaccine that then goes away and it's nothing to worry about and it's nothing, you know, this whole thing, there's nothing unusual with it or it's pheromones being passed between women is a bunch of BS. Uh, We're seeing too many reports of it. We know that it's dependent on the vaccines because this has never been reported before like this. Uh, you can go into VAERS and, and look. No other vaccines have caused this type of phenomenon in this way. And um, it's it's very unsettling. We don't know the mechanism. Uh, there are many things that could be going on. It could be a spike protein uh, modulating uh, blood vessels uh, within the uterus. Uh, there are reports of people coming out of menopause for several years and and bleeding again. Uh, There are reports of young children starting menses at inappropriate ages. Uh, There's reports of people that have not been vaccinated that are around people that have just been vaccinated that uh, are experiencing menstrual irregularities. Um, So it's not not something that's just, oh, this is silly. there's nothing to it. There's definitely something going on. Uh, it's being studied at the University of Illinois right now. Um, I don't know what the outcome, I mean, I think the studies are early on, but, but women are reporting it all over the internet and they're reporting it to their doctors and the doctors are, are speaking up about it. So it's real uh, and it needs to be investigated. Well, we just need to stop all of these vaccines, period. We need to stop. There's no reason for them. We actually have therapeutics that work better than the vaccines. So why are we using them at all? That's the real question. I know it's been, um, or see, I know because I've read it, that it's been suggested that, um, that vaccines in general produce inflammatory molecules, that, you know, the cytokines and interferons and they can stimulate immune cells in the uterus um and so maybe just vaccines in general so maybe that's what's happening here and it's not necessarily some attack on the um the, you know, that's a bunch uh, of bunk. Okay. when when's the last time you heard about kids going and getting a vaccine or or mm. adults going and getting a vaccine and having menstrual bleeding problems <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. just silly I, I, these arguments these these fact checks are just silly in their stupidity. We're not that stupid. I, I would hope people aren't that stupid. Um, yeah. It's a real phenomenon. It needs to be investigated. These vaccines need to be stopped, period. Uh, we have other therapeutics that work better than the vaccines, and there's no reason to be using them. They're causing harm. They're causing deaths. Uh, they're causing acute deaths. Who knows what's going to happen long term? We don't know if the uh, spike protein stops being produced in all people uh, or if it's reintegrated into the DNA and people will continue to produce spike. We don't know any of this. So we, we must stop. Plus, we're creating more mutants 
because people can still get and transmit the virus. So if you didn't want to do it for any other reason, you should do it for that because you're you're creating more of a problem that ever existed before you started immunizing by making every single vaccinated person a mini gain of function laboratory. Yeah. Another claim is that the sequence, the amino acid sequence in the spike protein, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is said to be um, just four amino acids uh, that it shares and therefore too short to give rise to an autoimmune response. What's your take on that? Right. So like I said before, doing this blasting um, uh, amino acid straight line comparison between proteins is not always the best way to predict an autoimmune reaction. Um, Dr. Bill Gallagher had an excellent uh, beta sheet confirmation comparison between the syncytins and between uh, both of the syncytins and between uh, the immunogen and there is startling uh, conformational similarity and that can be enough. Uh, There are more than just those amino acids. There's a few here and a few there and a few here and a few there and when you put them all together in the beta sheet conformation they they are very similar. Um, So he he has a blog up uh, that goes over that or I don't know he may have taken it down because he uh, is very pro-vaccine, pro this vaccine, or was, and was not uh, believing that people were having problems with it or dying from it. Uh, He thought I was creating quite a lot of mischief and that I would get what I deserved. So um, (laughs) it's very, very, very odd. I guess one of the biggest clues that there could be a problem with this vaccine is that the mRNA material would normally be rejected by the body, but that's why they put it in a lipid outer layer so that the, the, the body would allow it passes through to the cells without being rejected. I mean, if, if the body would naturally reject something, that should be a clue. Right. So we have uh, we have excellent mechanisms within our own bodies to protect ourselves from foreign DNA sequences and from things being where they shouldn't be to artificially manipulate that and to force DNA RNA into cells in a manner that was never intended and to keep mRNA alive or modified in a way, not alive, but but active and, and not able to be degraded in a normal fashion. It goes against our body's own defense mechanism so that uh, bad things don't happen. And uh, we just don't know what the consequences of this are. We do know that people are continuing to have spike protein circulating long after they should have. If it's just a temporary message, we know that it's going to all the cells in the body when it was supposed to stay in the arm. Isn't that enough to stop these injections? It should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, see, the way the way they're going about it is until it's proven to a point where it can't be ignored anymore, roll it out. So it's like pr- instead of waiting until it's proven it's safe, it's waiting until it's proven that it's unsafe before um, stopping it, as opposed to waiting until it's safe to roll it out. Right, which is not the European approach at all. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's what Reach was all about, that she would have to prove that something was safe. before you could use the chemical. I mean, REACH has taken so many resources and so many animals for study and and so many laboratories because the European Union demanded that you had to show that something was absolutely safe before you could use the chemical or or have a license to use the chemical. And um, here in the U.S., sometimes it's a little bit the other way around. You you have to prove that it's dangerous. Anyway, uh, but that approach is clearly not taken with this vaccine. I mean, at all. So all of us need to to band together, especially the people that have already gotten the vaccines who were duped into thinking it was safe. Uh, They should be the angriest, really, truly the angriest and the ones that were convinced to give this to their children. Uh, there are now, you know, the WHO has has reversed its position. They've reversed it again, actually, within the last couple of days. So uh, for a few days, they said, don't give this to any kids under 18 right. because it's right. not safe. And now now they've modified the language a little bit to, well, we're just not sure if it's safe. 
(laughs) And then that begs the question, okay, so if it's not safe for everybody under 18, how much more safe or more unsafe or less unsafe is it for 19? How about 25? Right. What is the percentage difference in the safety from a 16 year old to a 30 year old? Can can you tell me that? No, I don't think anyone can. I mean, this is what I call sheep logic. It's absurd. We must stop these phony vaccines. Um, People take a look at what's happening in all these countries around the world. Look at the injection dates and look at the COVID deaths skyrocket. Right. They're yeah, not because, only not working, they're causing more infection by yeah. monumental amounts. Right. Well, either, either that or um, deaths in the vaccine relabeled. Or it was a coincidence in every single country that they had a wave at exactly the time that they injected most yeah. of their population. I'm sure that's it. Another possibility that I, I was just going to say is that deaths by vaccine could be relabeled uh, COVID-19 as well, because that, that's always a possibility. Well, it's not only from COVID-19. So there are, there are a few different graphs out there, and they're excellent. People have done excellent work putting these together. So not only have deaths increased following the vaccines in general, all deaths, all types of deaths, mm-hmm. but, uh, but COVID-19 deaths as well. So, of course, if you have a heart attack, which is definitely attributable to the mechanisms behind the vaccine, um, then that's not going to be listed as a COVID death, but it was still due to the vaccine. Um, I, I want to talk about the um, the uh, genetic um, aspect to this because there was a study uh, that I saw uh, a couple of days ago, came mm-hmm. out on the 11th from Thomas Jefferson University. And basically um, the discovery was that um, human cells can write RNA sequences into DNA. And I know, um, of course, this uh, vaccine is interacting with the cells, obviously, and so the, some people claim that the vaccines can change um, DNA. Right, and cause frame shift. They can potentially cause what's called a frame shift mutation, which is changing the sequences of a number of proteins in a deleterious way so that nothing is being transcribed correctly and works, and it can be lethal. Um, this has happened in animals uh, previously, and it also uh, happened in a in a child um, several years ago when this was first attempted. So there's the possibility for that. There's also the possibility for it to be integrated in a fashion where it works and keeps uh, causing the body to produce the spike protein. Um, that's not going to be beneficial. No. Um, there's also research on the fact that the spike protein does not seem to be uh, degraded easily. So, yeah. so then what happens to it? It yeah. just builds up in your organs. So the the way the way I understand this vaccine is that it's inserting synthetic genetic material into the cells, and some people claim that it, that could mm-hmm. make be partly synthetic. What do you make of that? No, so there's two there's two important points behind this. The way that the RNA and the DNA was constructed makes it less resistant to degradation, both in trying to get the message in, and then the actual product that it codes for the spike protein, it is not genetically the same as the, um, I don't even want to say natural spike protein because it's not natural either because they've manipulated it. (laughs) Then the engineered spike protein and it's, and it's, uh, engineered virus state. They're not the same. Yeah. We're seeing glycosylation differences. That was published on early on. Um, we use glycosylation in our body as a way to tell self from non-self. Um, glycosylation can also impact the way that something folds and how it's charged. And um, so the manipulation of the spike protein and of the message to create the spike protein is causing unnatural um, 
things to happen with the spike protein. It's it's not be staying where it should. It's not being degraded as it should. Um, so there are a number of problems. Again, we just need to stop. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I know it's claimed again by some people that the um, experiments in the past to develop vaccines for other coronaviruses have ended in disaster and have all failed and people have had yeah and vaccines usually take decades to produce even those which cause great harm to people so do you think it's possible some people claim that the vaccine was actually already produced um and that the the claim of the the virus was was partly to encourage people to get take people vaccinated with this yeah. I think there are a lot of things going on that don't make sense. I think there are other agendas at play, many of them. Uh, one of them is the Great Reset. Uh, certainly the people behind that think that there are far too many people on this planet and far too many useless eaters on this planet. And um, they feel that it is their position to decide who should do what, you know, who who should eat meat, who should own property, um, they feel superior enough to other people to think that they have the right to make those decisions. And that's a scary thing. You know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Anybody that supports your tax dollars going to send somebody to the, to the World Economic Forum meetings to participate, to have their companies participate. Um, these people need to be kicked out on their butt. Uh, they're psychopaths. And uh, yeah. there's no way we should be paying for our politicians to go and attend this and be part of the Great Reset. Uh, because you're not, you don't get a voice in this. This is unelected right. politicians that are making decisions for you. They will take your property away. They've said as much. You know, in 2030, you'll be happy and own nothing. Right, yeah. Who yeah. are these people to even say something like this? Right. And why aren't people angrier? Why aren't they demonstrating outside these places? It's just unbelievable to me that they get away with this and people aren't angrier. I mean, if if a regular, if a you know, if you meet someone in the street and they said that to you, you, are, you anyone would have, would would react to that, obviously, because that's a, it's a ridiculous thing to say. But when these people say it, nothing, you know, people don't react. It's, well, you know, if you say anything in an English or German accent, it's more credible, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing you. Um, who knows why these people, they've probably got all kinds of subliminal conditioning that we've been subjected to for years that that kept us from from noticing or, or saying anything. But but people are waking up now and we need to we just need to, to end this. Do you uh, think the. Um do you think the gain of function research that was claimed to be to be uh, done on the virus could actually have been for the vaccines? Because I know I've heard claims that actually that was what the gain of function research was to create the vaccines. Well, sure. So gain of function research would have been done um, in for a number of reasons. If uh, if we were trying to understand what biologic agents, if, if China was going to use a biologic agent or any other country was going to use a biologic agent against us, then we would want to be able to kind of predict what that might be and have a cache of, of vaccines ready to battle that should they uh, wish to do this. You know, that's that's the nicest way to look at it. Of course, the problem is when you create these uh, pathogens and yeah. that are more and more lethal, there's the possibility that uh, they can escape. And there's the possibility that bad actors are going to use them for bad reasons. Could we all just have treated this virus like the flu? Absolutely. Yeah, th this isn't about the virus. This is about, uh, I mean, there are so many things that just point to the fact that this is has nothing to do with the virus. This is about conditioning you and seeing what you'll accept 
uh, even if it makes no sense. Uh, they're using a great propaganda tactic that uh, is actually Marxist uh, in origin, and it started with political correctness. Political correctness was uh, coined by the Marxist-Leninists, and it was what it means is that you're politically correct as long as you uh, tow the party line. If you have any opposing views to the party line, then you're not politically correct. Right. But we're right. doing the same thing with science. If you don't believe their science, even if it's not scientific, even if it's not grounded in science, yeah. well, then you're a science denier. Right. Um, when it's not science at all, it's politics, and it's about uh, obeying and conforming, and about you giving up your rights to people that want to control you. Yeah. People must understand this. Uh, if it was about a virus, things would have been done very, very different, differently. And logically, uh, we would be stopping the injections while we investigated the lethalities and the reasons right. for them in children. Right? right? Isn't that what we normally do? We stop while we investigate lethal incidents. We don't keep injecting while we're investigating. And yeah. they push the meeting back another week, but they're still injecting. I mean, yeah. really, people have got to use their God-given common sense. Think, think, people, yeah. use your brains. So um, do you think that these mRNA vaccines are the future? Where, Because uh, I know um, here in Britain. No, they, I don't. Because in Britain, <laughs> they launched the flu vaccine that was mRNA. No, I don't think they're the future. I think there are scientists that will try to make them the future. I don't think that they have any part in any future that we want to be a part of. If right, we right. allow this now, but, it okay, will yeah, yeah. never I, stop. It will never stop. But, but, but do you think, okay, so maybe a better way to word that would be, do you think there will be attempts to make them the, the, the norm for vaccines? Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sh I'm sure there will be, but... They should not be. Um, right. Our bodies are really sophisticated, capable. When our immune systems are left to their own device, when we eat well, when we uh, treat our bodies well, then they can do amazing things. Uh, when we mess with our immune systems and inject things that we don't fully understand how they work, and um, that's just a recipe for disaster. So why could they not just have, um, given that this mRNA technology is uh, as dangerous as, as, as you've talked about in this interview, why could they not just have taken the, you know, the virus or part of the virus and made a attenuated or live virus vaccine like they normally do? Um, I know Mike Eden was asked that question in an interview mm -hmm. fairly recently, and his response was, uh, you'd have to have some of the virus, wouldn't you? He said it sarcastically, meaning that... Um, you know, he said, if you ask around, no one's actually got samples of the virus. No one's actually got it. So that's why they've had to go this mRNA route. What do you make You know, that? I'm not really sure. Um, okay. I have not researched that enough. Uh, I know that earlier attempts with just the protein itself uh, were not that successful. And there are, uh, right now, there's a... Uh, is it Sinovac that actually uses the protein itself rather than the uh, message to create the protein? I believe so. So, so there are just the protein uh, vaccines, which is a little bit closer to what we normally do. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure why the traditional route wasn't taken uh, other than old old animal experiments where they tried to do that were not successful. Uh, it it yeah. caused more of a problem and the animals were worse off than if yeah. they hadn't gotten it at all. Obviously, apart from, you know, stopping these vaccines, what action would you like to see taken in the medical world, not just with vaccines, but in general? You were, you know, president now. What would you instigate for healthcare? I would completely revamp the agencies that are uh, supposed to protect the health and safety of the public. 
uh, from drugs that would make it impossible for the pharma companies to lobby in the manner that they have or contribute to uh, anybody that has a role in these agencies. Um, I would absolutely make sure that the agencies were independent and, you know, not like the CDC, which has its own patents on vaccines, but yet also determines the vaccine schedule. It's such a conflict of interest. It's silly. Um, and, and then pharma is so deeply embedded. I, I would completely change that. Uh, I would make sure that vaccines were tested and I would go back and do the studies that the pharma company said. I, I, I would also make the pharma companies liable for any uh, injuries that occurred as a result of, of their vaccines yeah, because that makes them more careful in their vaccine design. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that is any other company. I mean, any product, right? Yeah, well, that, that is something that maybe people don't know, that um, uh, any reactions to this COVID vaccine, mm -hmm. um, the, the, you know, you can't sue the pharmaceutical companies no matter what happens. Yeah. No, you can't. They've they've got complete immunity. And um, but you know, doctor or doctor uh, only by SJD, I suppose. Uh, Reiner Fulmick has said that this won't protect them uh, from intentional harm, from intentionally creating a product uh, that they know is harmful. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens uh, with his cases and in others that have been filed. I like you say the the underlying message of it all is stop the vaccine. Stop the vaccines. There are, there are plenty of therapeutics out there that are cheap. They're safe. We've studied them for over seventy years. Um, there's no reason at all to be using these vaccines. No reason to inject your children. Go back to the basics. Go back to these well-known, well-studied, uh, and safe therapeutics, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, you know, of course, those studies were frauds uh, in the Lancet New England Journal of Medicine, uh, complete frauds. So uh, they're very safe. All that uh, about cardiotoxicity is bunk when used uh, in, in normal doses. So um, anyway, that's, uh, that's my message. Uh, their safe alternatives, use them, stop stop using dangerous vaccines. How many more people in your profession do you know who think the same? More and more, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see, uh, although there are many that, that don't, but I find that the ones that don't just haven't done the research. Uh, if you do the research, it, I, I don't know how you would come to any other conclusion. Uh, they just don't make the time, whether because they've already gotten the vaccine and there's kind of a cognitive dissonance in, in wanting to investigate and find out that you've actually uh, injected something into yourself that <laughs> is harmful and not wanting to know the answer to just well, this trust, yeah. this trust that uh, scientists have for authority uh, guard through kind of abusive conditions going through academia um yeah. well thank you uh it's been a great interview yeah. and i'm sure there's many other things i could talk about but uh but yes yeah, <laughs> I, I i think thank you, you know Daniel. I, I appreciate you allowing me to uh, speak to your audience and i hope i hope that i've helped with some things and and that they know yeah. there are other alternatives and you know don't don't line up for these uh experimental drugs i agree Oh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.